0: and a new beginning as we start today the Gospel of Luke. You should have an outline on the table in front of you. Uh, I'd love to, I would love to get through all the introductory material today, but that may not happen. We'll just see how far we get. But I really like to get into the text as soon as we can, so uh, we'll do the best we can. That's all we can do. But having just completed Judges, I think Luke will be a very interesting... Um, change uh, we have done in TuneUp. if you've been with tune-up now for several years uh, we have done um, the gospel of mark and the gospel of john but we've not done matthew or luke so we're going to tackle luke now and see maybe later matthew but we'll see only thing i've done in matthew and luke a few years ago i did the christmas story according to matthew and luke Few of you may remember that. So we spent a little time in the first few chapters, but that was it. All right, well, let's pray together. Again, thank you for being here, and uh, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for uh, the beauty of this day, and I know that sounds unusual with it raining, but we love rain, we need rain, and we're very grateful for it, and pray that you'll keep us safe as we are out and about on the wet streets. And pray that you'll bless our families, wherever they are, whatever they may be doing this afternoon. Thank you that we can come together in this place to study your precious word. Thank you for the good food, the good fellowship, the sweet spirit that is here. And I ask that as we begin the Gospel of Luke today, that you will guide our steps and our thoughts. And I pray that it will not be just an intellectual pursuit, but it will be a time of spiritual growth As we study your precious words, speak to us individually and collectively. And I pray that when we leave this place today, we'll be all able to say together, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Or if you take your outlines and open your Bibles, just have it open to Luke. We are going to look at a number of passages today, but just be there in the Gospel of Luke. We will read the first four verses at some point. So uh, today, as we get started, you've got a lot of material there. Some of it we will not look at in detail. I've given you, like, for instance, um, a list of the parables, and that's just there for your information. A list of the Roman emperors. um, We'll look at that for a moment, but that's just mostly for your information. Hope that it's helpful to you. But as we think about Luke, we think about, uh, we think about a two-volume work. So what would be volume number two if Luke is volume number one? Acts, yes. The same person who wrote Luke wrote Acts. And we know that because of what we find in the first few verses of both of those books. And we'll look at that momentarily. Luke's gospel covers Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And we learn so much about our Savior in, in this Gospel of Luke. Acts tells us about the power of the Gospel. And the spread of the Gospel. How did the Gospel get from A to B and B to C and C to where we are today? The book of Acts opens that up for us. And... Uh, it is a blessing. Now let me just let me just go ahead and have you look at um, the first four verses. I'm going to go ahead and read those, and then we're going to journey far afield. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who, from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now, we're going to dissect those verses, but not right now. What I want you to do now is just flip over a few books and look at Acts chapter 1, and we'll just look at the first verse. Acts one one said, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, etc. So what does that tell us? Luke and Acts are written by the same person. Now, the first four verses of Acts are sometimes called a prologue or an introduction or some call it a preface. And what Luke has written here in these first four verses stylistically really read like a scientific writing of the time. Now, we wouldn't necessarily know that because we've dug into scientific writings of the first century, but, but we know that as those who have done that tell us that these four verses are very much like scientific writing of the time. That's interesting, isn't it? There's a reason for that. What is the profession of Luke? He's a physician. Luke is a doctor. And we'll get some textual proof of that as as we, as we journey along. So the author of the book of Luke is the same as the author of the book of Acts. And both books written to someone named Theophilus. We'll talk about him in a minute. Church tradition from the very beginning of the early church fathers has always pointed to one individual as the author of Luke's gospel, and that is Luke. Now, we may say, well, of course. Well, you know, uh, as as um, theologians study scripture and dissect everything, sometimes they generate some controversies about authorship, but there really isn't much controversy that surrounds the, the gospel of Luke uh, pretty well from the very first, the earliest of the church fathers attributed the writing of the gospel to the person whose name is here and that is Luke, although it doesn't say in the first chapter of Luke or in the first chapter of Acts, my name is Luke and I wrote this, it doesn't say that, but we, we do believe fully that Luke wrote both his gospel and the book of Acts. Now, where do we find Luke's name in Scripture? Well, we find it in several places. So let me ask you to journey with me for a moment to Colossians, the fourth chapter. Colossians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to look at verses 10 through 14. Colossians 4, verses 10 through 14. And here is what Paul writes in those verses, writing to the church in Colossae. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings to the church in Colossae, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. We're familiar with Mark. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. That's another story of why they might not have, but we'll go into that another day. Verse 11, Jesus, who is called Justice, so it's not Jesus our Savior, but a man named Jesus called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews, now notice this, these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Now there's some more names. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. But having just read what we read, we would say Epaphras was not a Jew but a Gentile. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Isn't it great to know somebody wrestles in prayer for you? And Epaphras did that for, uh, for the church in Colossae. That you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Verse 13. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Verse 14. Here we go. Here's his name. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, now we know, now we know, Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings, and then there, there are some more names. So what does this tell us? Two things, Luke was a physician, but it also tells us Luke was a Gentile. He's not listed in the names of the Jews who were with Paul, so we're able to deduce from that that Luke is a Gentile. Now, there are other things that point to that that we'll talk about momentarily. Now go over a few more pages in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. This is um, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. This is Paul's final epistle. He is about to die, and he is writing to his young friend Timothy And near the end of the epistle in verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, only Luke is with me. He is in prison and only Luke is with him at the writing of this epistle. Then he says to Timothy, get Mark and bring him with you. He's helpful to me in my ministry. But right now, Luke's the only one who is with me. All right, then go to uh, Philemon, go, go over a couple more pages in your scripture right after Titus and before Hebrews. In Philemon, the 24th verse, we find our other reference to Luke by name. And so uh, giving greetings to Philemon, uh, it says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So those are the places where we find Luke's actual name in Scripture. And we learn a lot about it, at least two things of significance. He's a Gentile and he's a doctor. Now, in the book of Acts, there are several passages of Scripture. I didn't print these. I'm just going to tell you what they are. They're too lengthy for us to read them at this moment. But there are some passages of Scripture that we call the we passages. We call them the we passages because the author talks in term of we did this and we went there and we did this and that, meaning the author was with the Apostle Paul because it's describing what Paul did, where Paul went, what Paul experienced. And so the writer of Acts Instead of saying he did this or they did that, he says we went here, we did this, we did that. We call those the we passages, and that means that Luke was with Paul when these events occurred. Now, if you wish to jot them down, here's what they are. They're all in Acts. They're all in Acts. So Acts chapter ten, uh, chapter 7, 16, verses 10 through 17, and then chapter 20. Verse 5 through chapter 21, verse 8, I believe. No, verse 18. In there you'll find the pronoun we instead of he or they or them. It's we. And then finally, chapter 27, verse 1 through chapter 28, verse 16. All of these are the we passages of the book of Acts, meaning Luke and Paul are traveling together, all right? Now, as we think about these two books, this two-volume work, Luke and Acts, we notice some things as we read the texts of the two books. Stylistically, they are exactly the same. If you didn't know anything about anything and you read Luke and then you read Acts, you would be able to observe these two guys write just alike. Well, they did because it wasn't two guys, it was one. Stylistically, Luke and Acts are identical to one another, just like you write in a certain style. Luke wrote in a certain style and it's obvious in in both of these books. We'll also find in the book of Luke several references to medical terms and things that would have been very natural for a physician to have written. As we go through Luke and as you look at Acts also, you can observe the person who wrote this is very well educated. It's very obvious as you read Luke and you read Acts that an educated person wrote both of those books. And Luke, in order to be a doctor, would have been a man who for his time especially would have been very highly educated, quite set aside in his education. Now, interestingly enough, as we look at these first four verses, we discover that not only was Luke a physician, but Luke was an historian and a researcher. And he lets us know... In the very first verse, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those, and on and on it goes. Then in verse 3, he says, with all this in mind, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, and I too decided to write down an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, there's a purpose for that we'll get to in verse 4. So he is an historian and a researcher. He digs in to, to history. He, he received oral reports. We'll, we'll talk about the difference here between written accounts and oral accounts. So He's listening. He's, I would say, probably interviewed, did research, and he produces this very orderly account of the life of Jesus in the book of Luke's and, Luke and then goes to write the book of Acts the spread of the gospel. So this is the man, Luke. Now, his birthplace is not stated anywhere in Luke or Acts. However, theologians believe because of his frequent mentioning of Antioch in Syria and seeming to have a particular interest in that community, it may very well have been that Luke was born in Antioch in Syria. Now, that's just a tidbit. I don't think that makes a bit of difference for anything, but it is mentioned several times in the book of Acts, and he seemed to have an extraordinary interest in in that community. Now, Luke, we know for certain at least once in the book of Acts, practiced medicine. Now, we have every reason to believe he did that all along, but as far as specifically saying that Luke practiced medicine, the closest we come to that is in the 28th chapter of Luke, the 9th verse. So here's what it says. Um, Paul has been washed ashore on the island of, uh, of, of Malta, and he is at uh, the estate of the chief official, Publius, whose father was very sick. So in eight, it says, his father was sick in bed Suffering from fever and dysentery, Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. The healing of Publius' father was an act of the power of God through the Holy Spirit as Paul laid his hands on him and specifically prayed for him. However, when we come to verse 9, it says, When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Ah, but the word cure literally translated is medically treated. So guess who was there who could have done that? That doesn't mean Paul didn't pray for them. But what it does mean is that they were medically treated by Dr. Luke. Now, does that mean their healing was any less miraculous than Paul's laying his hands on the father of Publius and praying for him? No, it does not. I would think surely all of us in this room would know that God chooses to work through some extraordinary physicians in the world in which we live. You may be the result. Uh, you may be the recipient of a miraculous healing somewhere in your life, or have a family member who was miraculously healed. And you know, as a believer in Christ, that God chose to work through the hands and the mind of a physician to heal you or your loved one. So it's no less of a miracle, but it simply says Luke's involved in the healing that took place there on the island of Malta. Now, what would be your guess as to Luke's relationship to Paul medicinally, if if I could use that word, do you think that as they traveled together, there was ever an occasion when Luke might have been of healing assistance to Paul? Certainly, certainly. Um, Paul had a thorn in the flesh that we don't know what it was. There are a lot of conjecture, particularly that it had to do with his eyes, Um and I have no doubt that Luke looked into that to see if there was any way he could, he could help bring healing to Paul's thorn in the flesh. But it didn't happen, did it? And why did it not happen? Paul says, it keeps me humble before God. Oh, I wanted to be healed. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that I'd be healed. And he doesn't say that Luke tried to do it, but I'll bet anything Luke did what he could. So the relationship between Luke and Paul is one of fellow uh, follower of Christ, but no doubt there were times when Luke was a great comfort and help to Paul medicinally. When was it written? Oh, you know, theologians can write for 50 pages, and that's just one person to try to tell you when the book was written. And I've seen dates that range from 58 even to 80 A.D. Uh, The earlier date fits in my estimation because I believe Acts was written around 61 A.D. And so Luke was before Acts, obviously, and so probably 58, 59 A.D. Uh, Paul's death is not mentioned. You would think that his death would be mentioned if... The book was written after Paul's death. However, those who opt for a later date say, well, Acts is not a biography of Paul. It's the story of the spread of the gospel. And that's true. So pick your date. It probably doesn't make a whole lot of difference to us in our study. But I opt for an earlier date, somewhere around 60 AD. To whom was it written? What's his name? Theophilus. That word means God lover or lover of God. It may not be his real name; it may be um, uh, a name to keep his uh, identity secret. We don't we don't know. But Luke says he's writing to one most excellent Theophilus. Now, the writing itself lets us know Theophilus is a pretty pretty important person, pretty significant person. Probably someone who is in a position of authority, or probably has some monetary means because of the way that that Luke describes him. But Luke also knew in his writing that this book of Luke and later the book of Acts were going to get to a larger audience. There's no question but that Luke knew that was going to happen and intended that to happen and was confident that Theophilus would not read and then seal it away somewhere for no one else to see. So uh, obviously that, that happened with the spread of the Gospel of Luke and later the book of Acts. And so there have been a lot of questions about the relationship of Luke and Theophilus, some saying that maybe Luke belonged the, to Theophilus in this sense. He was either a slave or a semi-slave of Theophilus. Theophilus, it sounds like, was a man who probably could have afforded to have his own doctor, and maybe that's what Luke was, uh, the personal physician to Theophilus in his household. We don't have answers to all of that. It doesn't make that much difference, except that we know there was a, a close relationship of love and respect between Luke and Theophilus. And the fact that Luke cared enough about Theophilus to write to him twice says a lot. And also the fact that Luke wanted Theophilus to be certain that his choosing to follow Jesus was not an error. It was not a mistake. You did the right thing and let me offer support for your decision to follow Christ. That's what he says in verses 1 through 4. We'll get back to that momentarily. Why was Luke written? Well, there are some suggestions that I've that I've, I've I've given to you. One is that Luke sets forth Christ as the ideal man to the Greeks. The Greeks were looking for a Superman, and so Luke writes to the Greeks about the ideal God-Man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of the Living God in the flesh, and presents Jesus to the Greeks through Theophilus. A second reason for the writing was very simple. Confirm the Christian faith to a Greek convert named Theophilus. And I think that's the primary reason it was written. To confirm the faith to a Greek convert named Theophilus. I want you to think about that. It's interesting to think about before we actually get into the text. Um, Was... Is there some hint here that Theophilus may have been struggling? Could be. Because Luke wants to write to present convincing proofs to him. And maybe Theophilus was facing danger or opposition or persecution or misunderstanding among friends or misunderstanding among family. And maybe Theophilus was wondering, is, is this really real? And I need some, I need some assurance. And there's that word, assurance of salvation, that is so treasured by us. Because we believe with all our hearts that the scripture clearly teaches that a follower of Christ can be assured of his or her salvation. That at any moment you do not have to wonder, am I really saved or am I lost? If you committed your life to Christ, then you can know at any moment you have that assurance of salvation. So perhaps Theophilus was struggling a bit. We don't know. Maybe Luke just decided to co-opt any future doubts that he might have by just writing it so you have it in your hands and you know for the future, here's the support that Jesus is who who he said he is, And your decision to follow him was the right one. And lastly, the third reason was it's an apologetic for Christianity to the Greek world. Very clearly that. An apologetic for Christianity to the Greek world. To whom was Matthew written? Jews. To whom was Luke written? Gentiles. Now, what is the book about? I think we've already touched on that. The theme is Christ the Savior for the Gentiles. Christ the Savior for the Gentiles. And the key verse, if I could be so bold as to pick a key verse out of this incredible book, I'm going to say it's chapter 19, verse 10. And that verse says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So there's your key verse, in my estimation, to the book of Acts. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now let me give you some, some themes. I know I've given you the major theme, but let me give you five themes that you want to write down and give you this in your outline. Five themes for the gospel of Luke. Number one, God's promises are fulfilled. God's promises are fulfilled. It's very interesting that a Gentile like Luke would write about the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy in Jesus, the Messiah. Very fascinating that the Holy Spirit led him to do that. So he, so a theme of the book of Luke is God's promises are fulfilled. Second theme is one word, Christ or hyphen Jesus, if you want to make it two words. that's Jesus is the theme of Luke. Third theme is the Holy Spirit. We see the person, the power, and the work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Luke, and man, do we ever see it in the book of Acts. Number four theme is salvation. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost a theme of Luke is salvation. And fifth, a theme of Luke is the inclusion of the Gentiles. The inclusion of the Gentiles. Jesus did not come just for the Jews, but he also came for the Gentiles. And I I marvel at that because in our culture today, we're so far 2,000 years from that, it's sometimes hard for us to understand the division and the wall of separation that existed between Jews and Gentiles. You see it reflected in the lives of the disciple, the apostles as they travel with Jesus and, and, and the absolutely that they're thunderstruck that, that the gospel, that the work of Jesus might apply to Gentiles. And then we see that in the book of Acts as early on the Jews are resistant about Gentiles being Christ's followers and part of the church so Luke writes as a Gentile writing to a Gentile about the inclusion of Gentiles in the message of Christ now let me share with you some key words or phrases that I think I've written down there for you the announcement of glad tidings preaching and good news ten times in Luke we find that word or those phrases Announcing glad tidings. Where do we hear that? Yeah, Christmas story, yeah. Preaching good news. Grace, eight times the word grace appears in Luke. Salvation appears six times. Save appears 19 times. Savior appears two times. And sin, two sins, sinner and sinful occur 18 times. So much for the thought that we shouldn't talk about sin lest we offend people. There is a Gentile emphasis in Luke that is very clear. For instance, in the genealogical story, where does Luke begin? Adam. And he takes the genealogy of Jesus through the line of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Matthew when he gives his genealogical information written to Jews, he starts with whom? Abraham. But Luke starts with Adam, the first man, and Jesus being the God man. Luke explains Jewish customs in the gospel He would not have needed to explain Jewish customs if he was writing to a Jewish audience, but he's writing to a Gentile and a Gentile audience, so he has to explain some of the customs in order that his Gentile audience will understand it. He makes references to the Roman emperor, which likely a Jew writing to a Jewish audience would have tried to refrain from doing. He uses the word teacher instead of the word rabbi in referring to Jesus and just a couple of interesting things in what gospel do we find the story of the good Samaritan Luke where do we find the story of the thankful grateful Samaritan Luke interesting Luke lists them the other guys do not he makes a reference to their language in Acts chapter 1, verse 19. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. That is uh, what happened after the resurrection, uh, what happened with Judas, the story of the crucifixion, all that goes on in that first chapter. And he gets to verse 19. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they call that field where Judas was buried in their language... Al-Kadamah, Qadama, is, field of blood. So their language. So that also is an indication that Luke was certainly a Gentile. And the ancestry traced through Mary, the mother of Jesus, to Adam, the first man, as is fitting to his theme of Jesus as the ideal God-man, God in the flesh. Now, uh, Luke also mentions the childhood of Jesus in ways that we don't find in the other Gospels. Um, have I put down those verses for you? I have, chapter one, verse forty-one, so you can read those for yourself. Where it says, chapter two, verse twenty-one, just scratch through that and put twenty-one to fifty. It really it just—it's the rest of the—it's the rest of the second chapter. I didn't need to hyphenate that. There are between ninety and one hundred Old Testament references in the Gospel of Luke. What an astonishing thing for a Gentile! What an astonishing thing. But there is a purpose, as we will see as we journey through the book. There are 20 miracles related to us in Luke, six of them unique to Luke, not found in the other Gospels. And there are uh, 35 parables, 19 of them unique to Luke. Women are mentioned more in Luke's Gospel than any of the other Gospels. 43 times women are mentioned, much more than Matthew Uh, Mark and Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark, and John. For instance, he mentions Elizabeth, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Martha and Mary, Mary Magdalene, Anna, Joanna, Susanna, among the women that are mentioned by Luke. Luke talks more about money than the others, and he stresses Jesus' mercy to the poor more than the other gospel writers. He names more individuals than the other gospel. We find more names in Luke than the other Gospels. Oh, my goodness, I'm sorry. Somebody need to jump up and down. I'm just going on and on and on. He mentions the poor. He mentions prayer, the Holy Spirit, forgiveness, music, glory to God, rejoicing children and angels, all that mentioned by Luke more than the other Gospel writers. So I'm going to make a mark and we'll stop there next time. We're going to look at the um, at the emperor's sheet for a moment and at the parable sheet for a moment, and then we're going to get into the first four verses. So uh, we almost got there. I mean, really, we almost got there. So next week we will, and I hope to see you back. And I like it when we get really to dig into the text. So got all this information for you that I hope proves helpful, gives you a little historical background. And uh, let you know why Luke wrote who he is. Uh, And so there we go. Okay. Father, thank you. Bless us now as we go from this place. It's been good to be together. Continue to instruct us from the gospel of Luke as we move forward in the weeks ahead. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. God bless you all.